Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the designfootball.com podcast. My name is Jay, I occasionally write blogs on designfootball.com. Today I'm joined by Les Motherby, who is one of the contributors to the Amber Nectar podcast and blog, and of most interest to us, the wholecitykits.co.uk website. Hi Les, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. So... Two questions, and they may be intertwined, but why Hull City and why Kits? Okay, well, I'm from Hull. You tend not to support Hull City if you're not, and my father is a Hull City fan. He uh, he moved my family near to Boothry Park before I was born, so he could... Uh, you know, make it very easy for him to go. And like the first thing I saw when I opened my curtains in the morning was the six freestanding pylon floodlights at through Park. Um, my father took me when I was six years old, and and so I was indoctrinated. Really, I've I've never been one for supporting a team that's local to you, um, just on TV or like in Match and Shoot magazine as it was then. I wanted a, I didn't want to support Liverpool or Manchester United. I wanted a team I could go watch. So it's been Hull City for me ever since. Okay, and there's obviously ups and downs that are, are related to supporting a team like Hull City. Well, I mean, they, we spent 19 years in Division 4, so the, the greater proportion of my support in life has been in the basement division. So it's mostly been... Uh, Nadia's, uh, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> although, looking back on it, I really enjoyed those periods and some of the most misery has come from the actions of people running the club during the Premier League era. So, you know, you, you spend all of your life wanting Hull City to achieve something and they get to the Premier League and uh, suddenly you're, you're unhappy with certain things about the way the club's presented. So that, that was a, that's a, a strange one I never anticipated. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, I suppose. Mm, indeed. Um, I mean, in terms of kits, I mean, I've always been obsessive about the aesthetics of football. You know, everything from stadium design, floodlight design, club crests, and so colours and kits are, you know, you. I always think a, a kit is the club's most prominent visual identifier, so that's always been foremost of that, of that love of the aesthetics of the game. And do you think supporting... Hull specifically has helped with that, has has helped cultivate that. In that, are, are they a special club when it comes to football kits, or are you not going to be objective enough to know? I think I'm objective enough to know. Um, I certainly know when a Hull City kit stinks, and I know when there's a good one. I like the fact that we're not a typical red or blue team. Um, you know, amber and black isn't a a colour way that you see many teams use, and I, and I quite like that. I like that when we're in the Premier League, we, our, our kit mix is very distinct. So that's something I've always been pleased with. Yeah, so immediately we're sort of drawn to the elephant in the room, which is the, the Tiger Print kit, the famous mm. Tiger Print kit. The, um, now, oh, this is the thing that, that confuses me, because there's a big movement at the minute to not allow whole city to become whole city tigers or whole tigers but that that kit that's that's one of the most famous kits and i think it's probably a kit that you would accept as being uh a great kit for hull is that right yeah absolutely it's iconic and you, and you have to remember at the time we were a middling third tier club and and that kit got us nationwide and even worldwide publicity at a time when there wasn't much to smile about so I sort of recognise the kit's kitsch value and, I, and I'm fond of it for that but that's not to say I'd ever want us to do it ever again I think those kind of 
wild designs were best left are best left in the nineties. And whereas most clubs were doing outrageous designs, they were mostly doing it with their away kit. We was one of the few teams that sort of let the designer run, uh, let their imaginations run riot with a home kit. But I, I certainly would prefer it to stay in the past. Hmm. Um, so just explain if you can the what's going on with the the whole city name because I'm sure a couple of years ago I think maybe in the last stint when you were in the Premier League you, were you actually officially called Whole City Tigers for a while? No, we've never we've never been called that. Um, I'll give you a bit of context because the owner likes to tell people it's because so we can market the club in Asia, but that's that's it's a sham really. When Asim Allen bought the club. He's he's got no interest in football, and having been in a room with him for four hours while he rambled on about stuff, he's got no knowledge of football whatsoever. What interested him was he thought he could get hold of the ground, and he thought he could get hold of the the land surrounding the ground, so that he could build some kind of tacky shopping centre. And he genuinely believed if he bought the club and said, hey, look, I'm the saviour of Hull City, the local council were going to give him a municipally built stadium for nothing. And because they basically wouldn't entertain it, he thought, right, I'm not having Hull City Council get any kind of reflected glory from Hull City being in the Premier League so I won't call them Hull City anymore and that's when he hatched his idea to call them Hull Tigers. So although later he added the line that we think this would make us billions of pounds because everybody in Asia is so gullible they have to buy stuff with Tigers on, that's, if you live locally you realise that's not the real reason for it. Uh, the views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of desirefootball.com <laughs> Uh, so that's that's very interesting. Um, so that's why when when you say I, from the outside, I don't necessarily see it as a big problem. I'm behind you in in feeling that way. But for me, the the name wouldn't be such a tragedy because I always think of that kit, and the nickname is so tied to the football club in in a, such a bigger way than with other football clubs because. <laughs> Uh, Liverpool shirts don't have like wings on the back and so on for the liver bird, that kind of thing. So there's no, there, there doesn't seem for me to be the same tie-in as as there is with Hull City. But I I can I wouldn't argue with you on this one. This is I I fully understand your strength of feeling on this. So you say that shirt and what seasons were was that shirt? That was for. brought. That was brought in for the nineteen ninety two ninety three season. Okay, and it was just that one season that they wore it. No, um, there was a strange thing happened with this kit because we'd been with Match Winner for quite some time, and then uh, the relationship with Match Winner irreparably broke down in the summer of nineteen ninety three, and it's probably because the club didn't pay a match winner because that kind of thing happened all the time uh, back in the early 90s because the club was forever cap in hand trying to stave off winding up orders for unpaid tax bills and, and the like. Um, and I think match winner just basically says, well, we're not supplying you any more kits. Uh, now, it really bugs me when people say the match winner Tiger Stripe shirt is the worst shirt of all time because the rig- it's not even the worst Hull City shirt of all time. The follow-up shirt is the worst Hull City shirt of all time because the club approached Palada and said, can you make us a non-match winner copyright violating approximation of Tiger Stripes? Now, it took them a while to do this, and so we started the 93-94 season wearing the match-winner kits, but with a new sponsor's logo plastered over, but also the match-winner logos were very unsubtly covered by stickers with Pallada's logo on, which, you know, you can't imagine any brand would have would have been happy with that nowadays. There'd be lawsuits. Um, but it wasn't until... You're looking at the December or January of the 93-94 season that Pallada had shirts of their own. So what we would do is we started the season wearing match winner shirts but wearing Pallada shorts and socks. And then at the, the, the end of 93 and the start of 94 we broke out this this abomination which... the, 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 the So it didn't violate the, the, uh, the copyright. They made... 
the the print much tighter and much smaller and rather than stripes they were almost circles so firstly it looked more leopard spot something bet lynch should wear in coronation street than it did tiger stripe but the other thing the the effect of having the design be so tight was the further you got away from it, the less amber it looked. And it had like a, a copper rusty hue to it if you were 10 metres away from it. And that was really shown when Oxford United came to Boothbury Park and wore their home kit at Boothbury Park because their yellow shirts weren't deemed a clash hmm. with our supposedly amber and black uh, shirts because... It basically didn't look amber and black. It was just a copper-hued mess. Now, I'm trying to think of this shirt that you're describing. I remember one that had a huge black square sponsor that said something like Threadless or something. What? It was Needless Sweets. Needless. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the first season we started wearing match winner kits, we were sponsored by a local nightclub called Pepe's. The funny story about that is um, I've got a friend who was the, he wrote the student newspaper at Manchester University and he once interviewed the Beastie Boys wearing uh, a Pallada Pepe sponsored uh, football shirt and he managed to convince them that Hull City were actually sponsored by Pepsi but that's what they called it in the UK. <laughs> but is, is that, Pepis, is that the spelling of Samuel Pepys? Is that the same Spelling? No, it's it's got an I rather than a Y. At oh, the is, end oh, okay, okay. But but that sponsorship deal only lasted a year, so then we needed uh, another uh, another sponsor for the next year, and we got sponsored by a local confectionery company. But the ridiculous things was the sheer size of the patches was utterly mm-hmm. unnecessary, and. Uh, you know, a player once said to me, he said, you know, when those patches got wet, they were like heavier than dark matter. They, you know, you could really feel it weighing down the shirt. There was <laughs> no good reason for the size of that sponsor whatsoever. In fact, I bought a replica um, off eBay not so long back and it came with the needless sponsorship. And I basically just unpicked the stitching and took it off because you, you can't walk around with a, a patch on your... Well, I mean, you don't want to wear that shirt anyway, but you certainly don't want one of these huge shield-sized needless sweets patches. Okay, so uh, underneath the patch there was nothing then? Underneath the patch was the previous year's sponsor. Oh, it, it was, co- it, okay. It covered. But it even even though, you know, the, the Pepe sponsor word mark wasn't that big, it mm. certainly didn't need patches no. three times the size of it to obscure it. So that, to me, is the worst Hull City kit ever. And it does frustrate me when people pick on the, the match winner Tiger Stripe shirt, which, you know, in juxtaposition is a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think West West. I don't. You'll you'll remember this, but West Ham did something similar when I think it was XL Holidays or something when yeah. went bust, and they put the numbers on the little yeah. patch. But yeah, I did like the fact that they used the Premier League short numbers. That was quite a, quite a funny little touch. Yeah, they look like um like cross country runners <laughs> with uh, their their uh, their entry number on there. Um, so you mentioned there that you talked to the players. Now this is something you get to do. Now, I've always thought it was something, somehow, Whole City Kits, the website, had had got all these contacts. But I take it from the Amber Nectar website. Is that how you got the contacts with the players? Yeah, well? yeah. We um, we encourage ex-players, usually ones that were played in, in Division 4, because often they've got better stories to tell. You know, I mean, what are, what are players that have played in the Premier League going to discuss? They, they didn't like uh, another player's the colour of his headphones or what he had on his iPod. I just don't think the stories would be fun. So we like bringing in players when the club was at its lowest ebb, when it was facing relegation to the conference. Um, and naturally, I always will get some questions in about the kits uh, where I can. Mm. Now, uh, it, it is a great website, and I think most people listening to this will visit it periodically. And it, you can extrapolate from it for other clubs. So it's not whole city specific. It's there will be a, a, I'm sure for every club of, of that level, I would imagine, there will be a, a similar story or an equivalent story about the what goes on in in uh, kitted out the players. So th- there's things like there's certain players that have uh, tear a hole in the back of their socks. So there was a whole player that did that. And then since then, we found out that Gareth Bale does it as well. Is that right? Yes, uh, Sam Ricketts did it. It's funny, they're both Welsh. I wonder if that's uh, some kind of coincidence. 
I, one, one of the players that came on the podcast was uh, Mark Greaves, who was a, a local defender. And I, I had to um, fess up something to him because the club was in a parlour state throughout the entire 1990s. And, and late in the decade, um, the players were issued two home shirts, two pairs of home shorts and two pairs of socks. One away shirt, shorts and socks, because you know, would you don't often need to wear an away kit when you wear black and amber. So they only got given one one set of away kit and they were essentially told, you know, if your socks rip you stitching them up yourself. Mm-hmm. If you if you swap your shirt with an opponent, the club will fine you a week's wages, which seemed excessive you know for for the sake of a a 50 pound shirt and some printing on the back especially since that season we played Liverpool in the League Cup and we played Chelsea in the FA Cup so you imagine these players thinking I really want man swapping Mm -hmm. shirts with Gustavo Poye but I'm not going to pay 700 quid for the privilege when they found me a week's wages well anyway I knew the guy who was the stadium announcer and the club were notorious for not paying players and they also didn't pay the staff and there was one day when he was so annoyed that he hadn't been paid he just went under the west stand and into the kit room and took a load of shirts out of a dryer and one of the shirts he swiped was uh, Mark Greaves away shirt and he, he Martin who was the uh, the, the announcer gave, gave the shirt to his son um, Harry now, years later, Harry sold me this shirt uh, and he was telling me the story about how he Martin took his son into the players' bar after the one of the games and there was a really worried Mark Greaves saying, I'm going to get found a week's wages because the cat found me a wear <laughs> shirt and I haven't done anything for it. And at that point, I pulled out that away shirt and said, oh, here it is, Mark, I'm sorry, but here's the shirt that may have cost you a week's wages. Ah. Ridiculous. Nice. Now, what? So, who was the manufacturer at the time? Was it Umbro then? No, that was Avec. That was Avec. Well, I take it with Avec, mm. the ones that were being sold in the club shop were exactly the same as the ones the players were wearing. Exactly the same, yeah. And you know, they get paid, find that amount of money if they if they lose the shirt. Well, I suppose couldn't they lose it and then get it sorted and then not get fined? Maybe it was a strange time at the club. I mean, the the club. Uh, got a, a player signing embargo because they weren't paying wages at the same time when the club bought a dilapidated coach from the chairman's company. So, I mean, there was all sorts of nefarious goings on, but um, they just decided that the players weren't worth a couple more £50 shirts. It was a strange business. Hmm. OK, so during that the period that you've been following the club, we mentioned the, the Tiger Stripe shirt and what's what's come off the back of that really uh are there any other favorites that you that spring to mind that that you particularly liked i'm looking at you now and you have a backdrop of loads and loads of different whole city shirts and very different shirts as well so even though many of them are the home shirt they're there's different styles so the style changes quite regularly even if it's not obviously a, a animal print it's you, you will go one season playing and one season striped yeah, that does frustrate me because, to me, Hull City playing stripes, That's that was where the club got the nickname from in 1904. The local newspaper, the Hull Daily Mail, said, um, you know, we've got the rugby team, the Robins, and the other rugby team, the Early Birds. Maybe we need another uh, animal analogy in the black and amber mm-hmm. striped shirts. Why don't we have the Tigers in it? And it stuck, and the reserve teams became known as the Cubs back then. And it, and it stuck with it. But it, it, it does irritate me when we wear plain shirts because although some of them are nice say for example the 2009-2010 home shirt it's a lovely design but everything about that kit screamed wolves and there was even a time in 2012-13 when Yorkshire Television did an end of season montage of goals and one of the goals the shot was scored by wolves because the people putting the footage together thought oh that's wolves we'll, we'll, sorry that's Hull City we'll get that in mm. as well and and that illustrates to me that you know if you own a certain style of kit you should stick with it and to me although I know some clubs have, have flirted with black and amber stripes now and then I know Cambridge have done it once or twice Barnet um, but generally, we own black and amber stripes. I think that's part of our identity, and I, I don't think the club takes advantage of that enough, and I, th- I think we should regularly wear striped shirts. Mm. Yeah, th- 
the the amber thing you mentioned amber quite a lot and that is quite an important thing that this is amber and not gold isn't it yeah well, i had a, a facebook argument with rich from the football attic about this because um, uh, he, he was he was winding me up by saying it was yellow or it was orange or amber basically is orange and then he then he gave the uh he gave the analogy of a traffic light but mm-hmm. i always think the the amber of a traffic light is is very yellow so that totally disproved his orange theory mm. now i remember one article on on whole city kits that talked about base layers now i'm obsessed with base layers that's my, my main probably Indeed my main thing which is quite worrying my main thing of my entire life uh but there was one season where you had to have yellow or something and then you were promised the following season you were going to get the the right color you were going to get amber base layers is that is that right have i got that it right? it is yeah it was uh 2011 12 and yeah the, the base layers just were yellow they weren't they weren't amber at all but adidas uh followed up and they did give us proper shirt matching amber the following season mm. so this is the the position that hull are in and i've talked about this before on this podcast and probably other podcasts but you you have three tiers for especially for the bigger manufacturers so you have teams that will get bespoke kits and then you'll get very low league teams and non-league teams and so on who will have team wear and mm-hmm. then the middle ground is a team which has a team wear template but in bespoke colors is that mm-hmm. more or less where hull are is it yeah, I think so. Although I do think Umbro have done a pretty good job over the last couple of seasons for giving us certainly shirts that although they may have elements that other teams have, say like a bit of collar design or generally I've not seen them produce a kit that you say, oh, that another team wears that as well. Um, whereas that did happen with Adidas, say for example in 2010-11 we had the same template as Stoke just in black and amber and in 2011-12 we had the same template as West Brom just in black and amber mm. and maybe maybe it's not a bad thing when you're not in the same division but when you play in that team and you see both kits come up against each other that it does look a, a bit you know Pez off FIFA back in 1996 where there was only one or two designs and everyone had just different colour variations yeah um so we've talked a little bit about hull should have stripes but one of my favorite shirts and i managed to get this into the 50 greatest football shirts ever is the 2007 8 season shirt now this this is like i don't understand what this is but i think it (laughs) fortuitously gave off an element of of being bespoke for Hull because it had these diamond things down the side and they looked like tiger stripes to me do do you agree or is that is that not one of your favorites i wouldn't say it's one of my favorites but you are right the 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 because it's like a, a repeated abstract diamond pattern but it does on certain glances look like it, it's it's tiger stripes yeah it was a nice kit it's i, I certainly wasn't going to complain about us being given a template kit when we shared that template with england mm. you know that, at the time coming on the back of many seasons in the lower leagues wearing some really appalling kit mix um then suddenly having the same template as england didn't seem so bad i just i just think it Although it's that shirt certainly remembered because that was our first Wembley appearance made in that we were promoted to the Premier League in that, so it's memorable for the things that happened in it. I'm just not sure that the shirt itself. Um, I would say that's a classical city shirt, and I was really surprised when you put it in the the top fifty kits. You know, even as a whole city fan, I wouldn't advocate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon it doesn't get the um, the props it deserves because. I think the players wore it a size bigger than they should have worn it. If they'd worn it a size smaller, it would have looked just perfection. If you look at the video, I watched it earlier, with the video of um, uh, is Dean Wendas, is new to scores mm-hmm. at Wembley. When he scores, it then goes to the crowd, and there's a guy who's he's not svelte by any means, but he's wearing it a touch tighter. That, I mean, he, he's slimmer than Dean Wendas, but he's wearing it a touch, t- a, a touch tighter, and it, it looks great. So you just see this guy celebrating in the crowd. It's fantastic. So, yeah, check check that out. And that's a great shirt, whatever anyone else says. Um, <laughs> okay. The other, some other Hell shirts that I, well, not that I necessarily like, but I noticed a few years ago they were going for crazy money on eBay. 
are all the ones I don't know how many seasons it is but some were sponsored by University of Hull is that right mm-hmm. yeah now why are they popular um, I'm not sure they are popular because the guy who sells those seems a bit coin-eyed and wants lots of money for them. But if you ever look on completed or sold items, nobody ever buys them. Hmm. And and this guy's had them on there for three years. Now, that always really frustrates me because people will contact me via the Hull City Kits Twitter and say, oh, I've got this replica shirt. Do you want to buy it for 300 quid? And, and basically said, you're having a laugh. It's, it's not worth 50 quid. And they'll say, yeah, but if you look on eBay, they're going for this. And I say, no, they're not going for it. Some hmm. one person is asking that for it. Um... I think some of that comes from having played in Division 4 for 19 years and then we moved to a new stadium and then that became the catalyst for moving up the leagues. I think your older fans are going to crave some kind of way of displaying their authenticity that they've not rocked up since we've been at the stadium and they've not rocked up since we've been you know a, a contender to play in the in the premier league so i think some of that is they're hoping to take advantage of people who'd grown out the shirt they had at the time but want some kind some distinguishing shirt that says yeah but i was here in 97 when we was bottom of the entire league and we only survived because of doncaster so i, I wonder if that's the, the thinking by it mm-hmm. i mean that sponsorship deal was funny um i talk about the the palace financial situation the club was in in the 90s the club used to use the university's training grounds and that's where 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 Hull City trained and did all the fitness testing um but we never paid for it and the university weren't happy that we'd never paid for it and we owed them in excess of a hundred thousand pounds so the innovative solution was well why don't we just put the university of hull on our shirts and give you some advertising that way and that'll cover the hundred grand or however much it is we own you so we never made any money off the university of hull thing and i did it did amuse me when the university of hull became our training kit sponsor at the start of this season so whenever you see a shot of mike phelan on the the touchlands you'll see the university of hull on his training wear and that just amuses me given the original deal that we did when they were our sponsors Mm. Uh, back in the late nineties, do, do you think something else is is going on again? So they they owe them for something else at the minute, and uh, that's payback. Well, well Asa Malam, uh, the owner, is a big contributor to the uh, to the university because they gave him an honorary doctorate. Um, so he's he's sponsored like a an auditorium, like a, a lecture hall, and I think he's putting some money in for something else. So I'm sure the uh, the university is grateful and wanted to show that somehow. Hmm. Okay. Um, so it's something else I noticed, another shirt that I particularly like, or I like the concept of it, is again in the 50 greatest football shirts ever, there was a Corinthian shirt in there. And it had this weird stripe effect where the stripes are dark at the top and then lighter as they go down and that reverses on both of them do you know the shirt i'm thinking of there's a whole shirt like that isn't there yeah that's the 1998 99 kit locally that's known as the great escape kit because um the start of that season under player manager Mark Hately, that was the nearest we ever came to dropping out the leagues because there was a point at the turn of the year um, just before we played Aston Villa in round three of the, of the FA Cup when they were top of the Premier League and we were bottom of the fourth division and we were like six points um, adrift at the bottom of the fourth division and it genuinely looked, you know, we were going to be playing in the conference. I remember the hard copy Amber Nectar fanzine we asked a Halifax fan to basically say what's the conference like because we're, we're pretty certain we're going to be playing in it the next season personally I hated that kit I hated it at the time and I hated it now but I hate it as a whole city shirt I can accept that it's a nice football shirt but nothing about it says whole city to me because I'm not keen on there being so much white in it. Um, I, mean, I mean, the gradated effect is quite nice, the amber going into white, even though when you get to the middle parts, it looks like somebody spilt tango on a white bedsheet or something. Um, but I can accept that it's a nice football kit, but I just didn't like white as a bona fide third colour. I think it should be a trim colour. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. So, yeah, it's it, it doesn't scream, Harl, if you... Especially if that's the first shirt you see, and then, hmm. okay, so that brings us up to where we are now. What are your feelings on the current kits? 
I think Umbra have done a pretty good job um, the last couple of years. I thought the one they did for the 2014-15 season was beautiful because it was very reminiscent of what is my favourite Hull City kit ever, which is the 1990-1992 shirt. Because I, I think that got Hull City... Uh, the the look of Hull City absolutely spot on. It was thin black and amber stripes with plain amber sleeves, so it really brightened up the kit because the 90s one had black shorts and black socks. So I think it's important to get as much amber in as you can and not have the, the shirt look too dark. I think you've got when you've got a bright colour like amber, you want to show it off. And I thought the uh, Umbro's 2014-15 shirt, it, it mimicked that uh, uh, very well, and I thought that was excellent. Um... They followed that up with the shirt that we got promoted in last season. That was a pinstripe shirt, um, mostly amber. I wish, once again, I'd rather us rather us have stripes. It was a, it was a beautiful shirt, and it has my favourite collar style of ever, which is the overlapping V-neck. So I'm pleased we've had one of those in recent history. But it felt very referential to the pinstripe shirt Umbro made us. Mm in 2009 2010 and it just seemed you know it's only like six seven seasons ago are, are you really retroing a shirt that you did not that long ago i thought that was an odd one and then there's this seasons because i i like the thought processes behind it because they're making a reference to the kits we wore between 1975 and 1980 um where like in that great escape season of reference we decided to go with white as a as a full-on third color but i thought it was done in a smarter way so you had thick black and amber stripes with a white v-neck with a with a flappy white collar um and for the first couple of seasons we wore white shorts and white socks but later in that run we went back to the black socks we we sort of um flipped the home and away shirts shorts and socks midway through the run because initially the away kit was white shirts black shorts black socks and so you had interchangeability uh, between the sets but then at some point we decided to just swap the shorts and socks of the home and away kit with each other and so this year's kit's referencing that but the idea is nice i'm just not keen on the execution because I'm, I'm really not keen on the wishbone shaped collar um i think there are much more much better more appropriate collar styles that you could have gone with but the actual having a white collar i, I really like the uh, the idea of that i think that's good but the worst part for me of this season's kit sets is the the shorts and the socks the shorts is the same for both the home kit and the away kit, and yet it doesn't look as if it matches either, because the the black of the shorts doesn't match the black of the shirts, and that's even worse on the away kit, because similar to the Everton away kit, where it's got like a, a background colour that's peeking through, like an Airtex design, uh, so you just you see like a subtle secondary colour behind the main one we've done that on the away shirt where we've got black shirts but you've got little little dots of amber peeking through and then we pair the plain black shorts of the home kit with the away kit and you just see these two massively contrasting blacks where one is made from a fire is made to look slightly shimmery brownish and then you've got these black so black shorts i just thought that was poorly done and i also don't think the amber of the shorts sorry the the socks on the home kit matches the amber of the shirt so although i like the the design idea i do think umbra have made a bit of a dog's dinner of the execution this yeah. season. so it sounds like a production issue perhaps there with certainly yeah, with the socks. yeah um, and i think that's because um when we got into the playoffs last season um, I think we'd, we, we'd last year we used the 2014-15 amber alternate shorts. We used them the following season, uh, but because they would have needed different fonts for the for the short numbers, the the league fonts rather than the Premier League fonts. I think at some point we just ran out of them, and so we played at Derby in the league with the amber with black pinstripes home shirt, but with the away kits white shorts and socks and it, it looked a mess it just didn't work uh, it would have made perhaps have worked if it would have been a striped shirt but it just didn't so we asked umbro to rush out some more alternate amber shorts and we wore those at derby in the semi-final first leg of the playoffs so i think umbro produced this season's shorts and socks early 
perhaps even before they'd fully finished designing the shirt and I think that's the production where, where they don't they don't match up where the ambers aren't right mm. and the or the blacks aren't right. Yeah, that's a pity. I mean what you mentioned mm. with the shirt, the it's the away shirt, isn't it? That's that's black with the amber peeking through, is that right? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean it looks great as a shirt, but as a kit it falls down. But that that confuses me a little bit because that seems like a it would either be fantastic for or compromise performance technology. Is it actually a mesh over another sort of uh, a plain solid design? Is that how it works? How does the, it, what's the formulation of the shirt there? It it doesn't feel like you know there's distinct layers that you can sort of rub it and feel them rubbing against each other. Um, I I just think they've managed to get a very a very thin layer un- underneath it. I think you could have made the shorts of the same material and they wouldn't suddenly be any heavier than a than a standard pair of shorts. I, d- I just think it's a, a lack of forethought rather than yeah. You know, they've done it for you know for performance. I don't believe it would have affected performance at all. Yeah, because there's there's two schools of thought there because Nike at the minute, especially for the players shorts and and shirt the the two their their whole thing is that they're made out of the same material so the shirt stretches and the shorts stretch in the same way so there's no um there's no contrast between the way the the two items are made but adidas are actually doing exactly the the opposite in terms of the look because Mm. they're making the the shorts a darker color i think than the shirt so it's similar to you what you mentioned with the whole kit there um so manchester united's I think it's the away, is it the blue one? It might be the away or the third, but they're, they're two different colours. And Austin Long, who does uh, the Soccer Nomad podcast, I spoke to him a little while ago and he was bemoaning that fact for the Manchester United kit that the shirt and shorts didn't match in much the same way. Uh, there is another kit we haven't mentioned, isn't there? For, mm, there is. For the whole this season. Um, what's that like? That's the very recently released uh, third kit, which has the fantastic uh, colour description of cactus purple. Now, I always thought cactuses or cacti were green, but I did put cactus purple into Google, and, and yep, sure enough, there are cacti that are purple. Um, but it's a very bright and vivid purple, certainly not referential to the purple kit we had in 1999-2000, which was a very deep, very regal purple. Um, and yeah, a lot of people have, have really not liked it. They, I think they think it looks quite feminine. The kit man mentioned to me that the, the players aren't too keen on it. Uh, and the first time we wore it, we got beat 6-1 at Bournemouth. So that's never going to endear uh, a kit to people if one they're a bit unsure of it anyway and then you get absolutely paggered in an away game uh, and I felt sorry for the the club's media staff who the Monday after that mauling on the Saturday you know said well it's in the club shop on the 22nd I'm sure you love it and you're going to be buying it and they, they just came in for a, a lot of tweeted derision. Hmm. I, I remember uh, when England released an away shirt I think it was around 2011-ish maybe um, and it, the way they launched it you always used to do strange launches so it, they launched a, an away shirt by Kasabian wearing it on stage in Paris that was that was uh, another bright idea but for this one it was a navy away shirt and they had David Hay wear it uh, when he was fighting <laughs> Vladimir Klitschko and it wasn't David Hay's best night but that was that was the starting point for that England shirt as well. That he was yeah, moaning so, about it's his always, toe. It's always, <laughs> yeah, it's always sad when it gets um, equated to, to to something dreadfully happening. It's funny. Hull City did, did something in a similar in a very low key version because when we released the uh, last season, the 2015-16 away shirt. We did so by getting the Olympic boxer Luke Campbell to walk to the ring in it. That's how we launched that shirt. But he won that fight, so you know there was no bad connotations about it afterward. Mm. Um, okay, so just something I'd like to know. And I was speaking to Dennis earlier the other day, and uh, if if I've kept this in, he's allowed me to keep it in. But he <laughs> said that he was a, f- a football fan. I think maybe a sports fan first and foremost, and then a kit fan. Now, I probably would say you are as well, because you're obviously very passionate about Hull and go to see them and so on. Now, 
is would that be correct would you, would you put your love of the club before your love of kits I think so. I mean, I'd, I'd definitely say that I'm both. Um, but I, I find as time goes on, I become the latter more than the former. Uh, I think as I get older, I get more and more disillusioned with the modern game, mm-hmm. the, the sort of obsession with money, the egotistical owners running rampant. And, and so my love for modern football has really taken a battering. And I feel that the, the actions of Hull City's owners over the last couple of years, I mean, even now they won't call the club Hull City. Whenever you see the, the market, the club, they call them the Tigers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, you know, when, they, when they'll do like a, a Twitter photo, it's never... Bournemouth 6 Hull City one, it's Bournemouth 6 the Tigers one. They just refuse to use either Hull or City, which really frustrates me. And so I've sort of been using the past and the club's history as a bit of a refuge, and that's how I've sort of kept the fire burning of my love for the club, by sort of putting my attention onto, well, did we really wear white in our first kit in 1904, as everybody believes? You know, why did we wear blue kits after the Second World War? And so that's what I've thrown myself into, is sort of researching those things. And it's helped me keep my love for the club alive when the current owners are really testing that to the limit. Okay, so you have a huge basis of uh, knowledge of historical kits worn by Hull City. So Mm. that lends itself to you having an idea of what the ideal whole city kit would be which mm-hmm. you demonstrated i think on a skillshare project that was run by stuart scott curran i think um it's still available i think you can still get to that website and, and view your project on there where you designed this kit uh describe it for us what was it what was it like what did you come up with I love that project. That was a great deal of fun. Um, what I chose to do for that one is I wanted to honour uh, Hull City's chairman in the 1980s. Hull City went into receivership in 1980 and the family that were running the club at the time had just sort of lost interest in it. So uh, a man called Don Robinson came in and he'd previously been Scarborough's owner as they'd risen up the non-leagues uh, and he came to, to Hull City and he, he was a bit of a showman. He was a former professional wrestler. He owned the Flamingo Land um, sort of theme mm-hmm. park who incidentally sponsored Hull City last season. I thought that was a nice retro touch, even if it is a, a bit cheap and tacky. Um, and he, he brought an infectious enthusiasm to the club. Like he had us play Tampa Bay Rowdies and he, he rode around the pitch dressed as a cowboy and a horse. <laughs> um, and one of the things he did was he he, he made red uh, a third trim colour, which I wasn't fond of at the time because I always figured that the only red you see on a tiger is if it's been shot um but his his response was no it represents the blood the tiger the blood the players are prepared to shed in the name of the club i'm not i'm not quite sure i, I bought that but for, for like the entire decade he was at the club we had red as a as a third color and so i wanted to incorporate red into a striped kit because during the 80s we didn't wear striped shirts at all Uh, we wore largely plain amber with black and and with some red so I wanted to see how we could incorporate the red into a traditional striped shirt and see how it looked and I also wanted to reference a ludicrous uh, phrase he said when he said I want Hull City to be the first club to to play on the moon and he, he he was he was well known for bombastic sayings like this. But you know the man was beloved. I mean he, he took us from the fourth division to the second division, and there was even a couple of seasons where we were vaguely challenging for contention for the top division. So he sort of revived the club from top to bottom, and he and he certainly made watching Hull City a lot of fun. So I, I wanted to sort of honour him. So the way I did it was to have. Uh, thick black and amber stripes but with a red pinstripe parting each black and each amber stripe and that was a reference to the red pinstripes that were in uh, two shirts one were from 82 to 84 and then we revamped that shirt when everyone was having shiny shadow stripes and we basically brought out the same shirt but a a much shinier version with, with shiny shadow stripes so that was my thinking, and I also want in the club the club's crest on 
um, on a circular patch with with sort of the moon on it, and I and I thought about Manchester United's retro reflective patch from the uh, the Champions League shirts they had in '99. So I went with something similar, and on the back we had white numbers, and it had sort of like a, a cratered moon effect. So it was a a bit a bit of a, a hat tip to to a, a very popular former chairman who, who really breathed new life into the club into the '80s. And, and sorry, the socks. What was what were the socks? I, I mean, I love hoop socks. I, I'd been campaigning for the club to have hoop socks for a long time. And when we did have them for the 2013-14 season, a couple of people mentioned on Twitter, that's probably just to shut you up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got, to the, we got to the FA Cup final in hoop socks, so they were seen around the world. So, yeah, I also wanted to have hoop socks because we did have hoop socks in 84-85 where the hoops were amber, black and red alternating. But I went with the a similar design that on the shirt so we, you had amber and black hoops but with a, a red I suppose it's a pin hoop rather than a pin stripe mm. um, separating each each of the hoops mm. yep uh, it's definitely worth having a look at and there's a lot of projects on there uh, and there a lot of them are quite interesting so it's, it's worth there going is a look. one of them was done by Mark Parling who is also a Hull City fan um, and because I was so impressed by his illustrations I've asked him to uh, I'm doing an exhibition at one of the museums in Hull next year and I've asked him to do some of the design work to sort of tie it all together but for that project he designed a shirt for the Dutch club PEC Zwolle because I think he has some relatives that live here, live in Holland and, and so he, he took a, a stab at redesigning Zwolle's kits and I thought he did a, an amazing job. So tell us more about this exhibition. Yeah, next year, 2017, Hull is the UK city of culture. And if anybody's sniggering at that, you should stop. It's uh, it's a city that's got a lot to offer. And because I knew that... Because the owners despise Hull Council and they see the City of Culture year as being a council-led thing, I knew that Hull City weren't going to get involved in it. And they really haven't been involved in any significant way whatsoever. And I didn't like this because... Culture isn't just art and theatre, it's what people do. And what a lot of people do is support the local sports team. And I thought the culture of the football club was just as important to the culture of the city as any of the art projects that that go on. Um, So... I just thought I'll, I'll have a go myself. If the club aren't going to do it, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And I and I put in a, a pitch to one of the museums, and I just said, "Can I use your community space to have a modest exhibition of player one shirts?" And I also put a cheeky bid in for some funding, just to fund things like mannequins, advertising, some design, PVC banners telling the history of the the club's kit design, and the the city of culture team absolutely loved it um so i was re- i've been really enthused at the response in fact a couple of weeks ago they had the launch and um they, they've got 60 what they call creative communities projects where they've got a little bit of funding to put something on so it's not all stuff like the turner prize and and exhibitions and theaters the local population are doing little things as well and each each group was given 60 seconds and there was even a gong if they went over the 60 seconds to just basically say what the the project was and I was the 60th person to speak and there were there was people from Sierra Leone saying um if it hadn't have been for the whole politician William Wilberforce's uh work to abolish slavery I would have still been a slave in Sierra Leone there were some midwives that were saying they were going to take a, a plaster cast of the feet of every child born in Hull in 2017 and have a mural and everything was really high art or it really you know had, had some social impact and I was dreading the microphone coming to me because I was thinking I'm a fraud I'm mm. going to talk about well I'm putting on a display of some gaudy polyester um but I wanted to make the point that around the world, the colours of Hull, they, they see black and amber. And, and I, gave the, I gave the anecdote of when I was in Chicago in 2013, uh, I was wearing a, a 2008-09 Hull City home shirt. I was buying a burger when I had this local guy shout, Hull City suck! <laughs> 
Now, I didn't appreciate the sentiment, obviously, but it did sort of say to me that, hang on a minute, some bloke in Chicago knows that whole city where black and amber, and, and that's what made me think that um, the the colours of the club and the club has got a cultural place and a heritage in the city, and so I just wanted to do an exhibition that, that, that spoke about that and celebrated it. Hmm. I mean, the whole city might suck, but they could beat Chicago Fire, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, although we signed uh, Maloney from uh, Chicago Fire and he's been pretty dreadful so far. So maybe, maybe not, we'll see. Mm. Celtic legend of sorts. Uh, now, that, I mean, I, I agree with what you were saying there. And w- when is the exhibition then? When is, what are the dates for that? We've managed to time it perfectly. Um, it's going to start on July the 3rd and it's going to run till the end of September. So that period will cover sort of the, the start of pre-season and the start of the season. So hopefully the club will have new owners by then who might want to get on board <laughs> with us and, and promote it quite heavily. But there's certainly been a good response. Some of the local radio stations have been in touch and lot, lots of people, you know, people just stopping me and saying, what a great idea, I definitely want to come and see that. I mean, these these two blokes from Sierra Leone they ran over to me at the end of the uh, 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 this introduction session so we're desperate to come and come and see your, your kit display we think that's going to be really good mm. and I'm just thinking hang on a minute you're honouring a man who pioneered the abolition of slavery mm-hmm. and you're impressed by my idea but it just shows you that you know kits mean a lot of things to people yeah yeah well, well football will do that won't it um the the other thing is that you what you mentioned about the the city being tied to the club and people will forget this but in 2010 just before Labour went out of power um, one of their policies was to have clubs tied in with the local area in some way and I I don't know what the programmes were at the time but it was community programmes a bigger push with community programmes and obviously uh, that didn't work out because (laughs) <laughs> uh, other people took charge but uh, that's uh, that's democracy um. the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation Botox Cosmetic Atabotulinum Toxin A is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines crow's feet and forehead lines look better in adults Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, that's whole city. This is the th- something I've learned about you more recently. Is that you're also a Sampdoria fan, is that right? I am, yes. In fact, this weekend I was at the uh, Derby della Lanterna uh, when Sampdoria beat Genoa 2-1, which was very satisfying. Mm. Now, to paraphrase Vidi and the Stars, we've already established that you're not from Italia, you're from Hull. Mm-hmm. Now, w- why Sampdoria? Well, with an English side, I feel I have to support my local team. But when it comes to picking teams overseas, I go for the kits, pure and simple. Um, As an example, in the mid-90s, I went to a branch of All Sports and they were selling one of the neon yellow Borussia Dortmund shirts. I bought it and so I sort of adopted them my team. And with with Sampdoria, it's the the colours and the kits primarily. Um, 
I just adore Sampdoria's look, the blue with the bands, and I, and I love the consistency at which they apply it. I know sometimes people think all of their kits look the same, but they really... The real sticklers for maintaining that look, and the fans are sticklers about it too. They're really proud of it, and uh, yeah, I've just, I, just, I just think the kit, Sampdoria's blue banded look, is beautiful. Mm. The so just the kit. That's what's what's the deal with Italy then? It, you've started supporting Sampdoria because you like the kit. But you also speak Italian, don't you? I've sort of picked some up. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was I was fluent. I mean, you, you know, I. I I suppose my, I'm a, a man of a certain age where the first time I ever saw foreign football that wasn't in European UEFA competition or a, a World Cup or a European Championship was when Channel 4 started showing mm-hmm. Serie A and, and I think that had a, a massive impact on me you know, because I was watching Hull City in a dilapidated ground in the lower leagues and then, and then suddenly you was watching this incredible football in a lot of stadiums rebuilt for the Italian anti-World Cup mm. the best players in the world were, were were heading to Italy and it just felt the most exotic brand of football I'd ever seen and, and that, that point was Sampdoria's pomp and I think the first ever game that was shown live was Sampdoria 3 Napoli 3 and I remember Attilio Lombardo having an incredible game you know this mm-hmm. ridiculously thin but fast ostrich like bald man you know just every, <laughs> just everything about the, the aesthetics of Italian football was really captivating especially the kits I don't think there's any league where there's such um, a, a, a breadth of unique and instantly recognisable kits from the two Milan clubs uh, mm. to Roma to, to Napoli and, and Sampdoria because that's the one that grabbed my attention. Mm. Uh, Dennis Hurley on, I think it's on the Pride in the Jersey website. Uh, no, it's not Pride in the Jersey. It's on Museum of Jerseys. The muse- I think it's museumofjerseys.com probably. Um, he covered all of the the kits that Italian teams wore. Now, I should know this, but it's either 1990-91 or 91-92. And he, he says that is mm-hmm. the standard for football kits. Everything should be uh, checked against that, really. Mm-hmm. That is yeah, the, I agree. the high point. Um, and obviously, one of the most iconic SAMP kits would be that 1990-91 is when they won the Scudetto, is that right? Yeah, so the following year they, they had the, uh, you know, the, uh, the tricolor triangle on the shirts and it had the classic ERG sponsor. Yeah, I think that's the archetypal Sampdoria shirt. I think that should be your number 49 in the best 50 kits ever. You've got my permission <laughs> to change it. <laughs> we'll change that. Yeah, that is, that, what, it is one of the criticisms we got when we were doing that, is that we didn't put a Sampdoria kit in there. And... I have to go with the opinion that they all look the same. <laughs> oh, I'm not having it. <laughs> but I, I don't. I never want to utter that as someone who considers himself a football kit geek. I never want to say that because that is something that people who don't care about football kits will say. It looks the same as last season's. But um, Sampdoria, the thing that makes a Sampdoria shirt grey is the thing that is carried over every season mm-hmm. or would you dispute that no not not at all i mean sometimes they'll make the bands a little bit thinner sometimes they'll have them higher and the sponsor below but for all intents and purposes it is the same shirt every season it's a blue shirt with uh, a red band and a black band inside a, a white band with the saint george cross in the middle of it, it, it you're right it, they are they are the same but they're, that means they're beautiful every season <laughs> well uh, if it's not broke Hmm. I mean, I, I, I. Th- this season, Samp shirt is um, this the, it, the away shirt, isn't it? It's the white one. Hmm. That one's done something slightly different with the bands. Is that controversial? Because they sort of fade out, don't they? How, how does it work? Some for some people found it controversial. Although some people found the the year previous is away shirt more controversial. But no, what they've done with this one is. Um, They've they've made the bands look uh, sort of like hand drawn or or painted and yeah that yeah they sort of fade out and I like it I think it's a 
you know, if you if you're making the observation that every kit can look exactly the same, then how do you make it different? And I think that's a really innovative way of doing it. And it, although some people didn't like that this year, a lot of people didn't like the last year's white away shirt, which was pure white with just the St George's cross shield in the middle and a lot of people were saying well where are the bands you know the bands should be on the away kit as well but if you look at Sampdoria's past the initial Sampdoria away kits were just white with the St George's cross so they've, they've certainly got reason to to go to that again but that shirt in, in its pure whiteness was more controversial than the sort of painted style bands of this year but I like both of them. Mm. They, um, I think they have a little bit more or they feel they have a little bit more license to play around with the bands on chain shirts than they do maybe on the home shirt I think um, if they did that with the home shirt that might be more controversial maybe. I, I think it would be yeah I think I think some pair fans when it comes to kits are a very very conservative bunch but what I did think was ridiculous was I, I do like the third shirt of Sampdoria this year it's like a, a light blue the the crest isn't the the regular crest that looks like a Yorkshire Terrier smoking a pipe, but is actually mm. the profile of a sailor. Um, it, it's got the uh, the the patch that's more regularly seen on like the coach's blazer jacket, but it was a crest that was used in the fifties and sixties. And I, and I think there's a, a light blue shirt. It's beautiful, and they wore it against uh, Juventus last night. Um, but the problem is, when they played Pescara a couple of weeks ago, Pescara wear light blue and white striped home shirts. Well, Sampdoria's blue home shirt clashed, Sampdoria's white away shirt clashed, mm. and Sampdoria's pale blue third shirt clashed. So poor Pescara were forced to wear their yellow away kits at home to uh, you know, to, to sort of make up for the fact that Samp haven't got a kit that works... Um, when you're playing a team in blue and white stripes, which is a ridiculous oversight, mm. I don't, I don't understand why there is such a thing as an oversight. I, I, we moan about this all the time. Kit clashes. There should always be a fourth kit there. Just put it out there, and then if you win the game, you get to sell it as well. You just re- release it as a kit, and then it's well, it normally win situation. What? One thing I like about Sampdoria is the the goalkeepers often wear outfield players' kits. They'll just mm. wear an alternate one. So if they're playing away in their away kit, the the keeper might wear the home shirt or something like that. But this year they have brought out a specific goalkeeper jersey, which is orange with blue pinstripes, and it, and it's quite nice. And Viviano's worn it a couple of times. But what they could have done is just printed up you know 20 of those and had that as an impromptu fourth kit it just needed the foresight but sadly that's sometimes lacking from people whose profession is to make sure that the team their outfit is distinct from the other Mm. Uh, Olympic Marseille did that once in the 2007-2008 season they didn't have they wore their third shirt which is my favourite football shirt of all time but they wore it with the I think it's the third goalkeeper kit, shorts and socks, because the the standard shorts and socks. And the they actually for the third kit they had blue shorts as standard. They also had orange chain shorts, and that was still deemed too much of a clash. I think so. They wore the the I think they were navy goalkeeper shorts and socks, mm. which is mm, not many people would have noticed that. But you know, challenging John Devlin would call it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's end on a, a John Devlin note. Okay, uh, Les, that has been fantastic. Thank you so much f- for talking to me. I wish you all the luck in the world regarding the name and the owners and and just football on pitch exploits. Apart from obviously when they're they're playing against Liverpool. Where are you in the league at the minute? Uh, we're we're third from bottom, and uh, the situation's getting more precarious by the week. Hmm. And uh, Phelan <laughs> is now the the he's now the proper manager, is he? He's the head coach. Um, okay. So that would would imply he's not in charge of uh, making signings. So you know we we've really strung out permanently appointed appointing, and then when we did, we only give him till the end of the season, and we give him the head coach role, which I suppose is very Italian, but uh, seems a little bit disingenuous towards the man. Hmm. 
Um, but he was doing so well when he was just like a caretaker, wasn't he? Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe we should um, go go back, go back to that because uh, the season's certainly taken a precipitous drop, and I, I don't see it improving anytime soon. Mm. Well, uh, hopefully things will uh, change again. Um, now, on social media, how can we get hold of you? Uh, the primarily, if we're talking about kits, I mainly do that on the the Hull City Kits Twitter feed, which is just simply at Hull City Kits. Okay, and uh, is there a Facebook page? There is. Uh, there is, yeah. There's a Facebook page which doesn't quite get as updated as often as the the Twitter feed. Yeah, well, welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> yeah, so get hold of Les on that. He's uh, a mine of knowledge, so that's very useful. If you want to speak to me on Twitter, I'm J29ers. Designfootball.com is also on Twitter. There's a Designfootball.com Facebook page. And obviously go to the website, designfootball.com. There are plenty of whole city kits on there. So go and check those out as well. Um, I'm not sure whether Les would be a fan, but possibly. Oh, I, I tweeted you one the other day, didn't I? Did you Did you yeah, like that one? I, I did. I quite liked it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was innovatively done. I, I would have accepted that one. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Good to hear whoever designed that one. Okay. Well, thanks again then, Les. And I'll speak to you soon. And soon we will have someone else on this podcast and uh, that will hopefully be enjoyable also. So, bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.